Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast. Better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of the Parlay of Topics. But we have to address the elephant in the room first. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's a lot going on with the Screen Actors Guild, and we do support them and the Writers Guild. Yeah, if you've heard any of the stories that have been going on just over the years of the neglect, I guess you could say, or, or the mis- mistreatment of just how the system is set up and works, it's appalling. Uh, the one story I can think of, the actor's name escapes me, but the gentleman who played Zordon in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series, the original series. He played the character in later iterations, I know that. But the story that was told about the actor who played Zordon in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, for those of you, and I know Tom Craven is going to be screaming yeah, this. Yeah, he's screaming this at his car right now. his car right now. But David Fielding? Thank you, David Fielding. Uh, you know, he played Zordon, you know, the, the, the head in the tube. Uh, if you've ever seen any episodes of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But the other thing a lot of folks may know, or some of you may not know, he was in every single episode of Money Morphin Power Rangers, the, the 1993 movie, or not the movie, the television show. And basically, the story that has come out since the uh, screenwriter or the screen actors strike started, and maybe this story was out before and it wasn't more publicly known, but a lot of folks have found out about it now. But so he played Zordon in every episode of Money Morphin Power Rangers because he's he's the leader, he's the you know, fatherly figure, whatever. But he showed up for one day's uh, one day of work and was paid one hundred and fifty dollars and was never paid again. And, yeah. and this is despite him appearing in every single episode of that series. Atrocious. Yeah, absolutely atrocious. So we understand why everybody is striking and trying to get a fair and better wage. Mm-hmm. And we absolutely support that one hundred percent. So what does that mean for you, the listener, moving forward? We have been following the SAG-AFTRA news articles breaking out about what is involved with the strike, what is not. Mm -hmm. We are not members. We have to make that very clear. No. We are independent media journalists, I guess is probably the easiest way you can describe it. Yeah, I I think that under their definitions, that's what we would fall under. Right. And as of the latest releasings of guidelines involving this, they put in their FAQ section, which we'll have the link to this in the liner notes of the podcast, too, as well. I'm an entertainment journalist. Can I cover movies and TV? The answer was yes. Entertainment journalists, whether they belong to a union or not, are not on strike, end quote. So what does that mean for us? Just to reiterate, it's business as usual. Mm-hmm. And we are supporting the strike going on. The writers, the actors, because, hey, lost amidst all of the news with the actors striking is, hey, the writers are still striking. 
Yeah. That hasn't changed. That that still has not changed. Yeah. So what we're going to be doing moving forward is in each podcast episode, we're going to have links up where if you want to go support, you can get the proper information about mm-hmm. it. Because there's a lot yeah. of nonsense right now yeah. going around by people that don't know what they're talking about. that, Or they have good intentions, but they rush to be one of the first ones out there with the information and they get the wrong piece of information and it spreads like wildfire because it's the first one people see. Exactly. And I understand that people are trying to decipher about what's going on for them and whatever the best decision is for you personally, if you're a content creator moving forward. That is your call. It's an unprecedented time just because the last time there was a major strike like this was, of course, the writer's strike in 2007. Mm-hmm. And the the creative landscape in terms of podcasts and YouTube channels and Twitch channels and blogs and everything else is like how easy it is was not what it was then. You know, so you didn't really run into this issue because, yeah, there were podcasts, but not nearly as many covering movies and TV and entertainment type stuff, but times have changed and it's very confusing. Absolutely. So we're going to be doing our due diligence to follow it. And we are going to be adhering to the guidelines that are involving that. So if something should change from now and till, you know, unfortunately the end of the strike, yeah, then we'll adapt to it as we go. But as far as things have been going on right now, we've been consulting some people about this. I know 3FN had a great monologue about this on their show. Mm-hmm. So definitely give them a plug to go hear about it as well. They've been talking to people that are members of SAG. And they've got a little more information about that too as well. So just to close out with this very, very uh, long intro, I guess, if we can just kind of sum it up that. Because it's felt long since it's come out. Yeah. There's, there's just been a lot of guessing about what's the right move to do mm-hmm. and i will just kind of end it like this whatever you feel is the best move for you just get the facts moving forward and go buy it yeah but don't be the first person to get the information out just so you get the clicks and you get the retweets and you get the likes because if you end up being wrong a lot of people are going to come back on you and you're gonna to have to answer for that mm-hmm. you know so be sure you get the facts right double check triple check Cross check, mm-hmm. you know, not hockey terms, but like cross check your your sources and everything else, because like we said, there's a lot of information going out and a lot of it's confusing. Yes. So just do your your own due diligence, find the proper sources mm-hmm. and go by that. Yeah. And that's what we've done. We've gone to the official website. We've been watching that every day. And if there's some new news, then we'll adapt to it as we go. But as far as that quote that I just read on there, that's the latest we have. So that means it's business as usual for the ODPH. Mm-hmm. So we'll just kind of get into the show intro because you know what? I I know we're going to give a little behind the scenes. We've been talking about this for three days now. I'm tired of talking about it. Oh, I am too. So let's just get into it, folks. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com and always on that social media. Use the hashtag ODPHpod. We are kicking off this episode like we always do. We have to recap the latest episode from Disney Plus and Marvel Studios Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. So the series has been one that has been interesting to fans. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson reprising his role as Nicholas Fury, fighting off an alien invasion basically by himself. Yeah, pretty much. And the spy epic that is getting unfolded has now picked up a little bit of steam. Albeit, though, there's only two episodes left after we are going to discuss episode four. Uh, y'all wanted shit to hit the fan, and well, shit hit the fan. Congratulations, we're here. And I think this was going into... 
our spoiler-free statement, which we give out before we review anything. So if you're new to this show, this is how we do our business. We like to give a spoiler-free statement. So we don't ruin anything for you. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, that's cool. We're going to give you our thoughts. Then you can go watch the episode. We give you the liner notes in the podcast so you can pause and duck out. Then when you catch up and you want to get into the whole conversation, it's right there for you. So nothing is ruined. That said, with a spoiler-free statement concerning episode four, I really thought they hit the ground running a little bit Mm -hmm. and they picked up some steam. And where they went from here was definitely interesting. Pad, let me know your spoiler-free statement here. So a little peek behind the curtain. Just because of the way the dates we record this, it's several days after the episode has aired. And in the past two episodes, uh, episodes two and three, Promises and Betrayed, I had waited to watch the episodes just so it was more fresh in my mind. I wouldn't have to rewatch it. And, and it was kind of like, I'm all good to go. I waited to watch the episode uh, for Beloved. I didn't watch it first thing when I got up on Wednesday morning, just because I was t- planning on doing, you know, I'm going to wait a couple days. I'm going to watch the episode. So I'm good for the episode. For, so I'm good for recording the show. And about halfway through my workout at the gym, I was checking social media, seeing what was going on. And I had seen some talk online of a surprise in the episode. And it didn't say what it was. And I'm not going to say what it is here, but I sat, went there and go, okay, if it's already this early in the day, because that was at like maybe 1030, 11 o'clock Eastern mm. on, on Wednesday, I went, all right, if they're already talking about a surprise this early on the day the episode releases, um, it's not going to be long before it's full spread spoiled for me. So I went, okay, I got to watch this as soon as I get home. So I got home, made myself a, a little bit of lunch, sat down to watch it. And by the time the credits rolled, I went, holy shit, I'm glad I didn't wait to watch this because there's no way I, I would have avoided that plot twist and that spoiler. Uh, the episode was incredible. I've had no issue with the pacing and the way the show has gone thus far. I've enjoyed it. I understand people's gripes with it. But for those of you who felt it was too much of a slow burn and you wanted the pace to pick up, you got your wish because yikes, this to this the foot hit the accelerator on this one. Mm-hmm. It absolutely needed to, and I think it took a step in the right direction. A lot of questions coming out of the ending, though, which we'll definitely start deep diving into. But I think this is probably one of the better structured episodes mm-hmm. of the series thus far. And with two more left, we definitely have got a lot of ground to cover, and I think they're taking the steps in the right direction to do such. That said, it is spoiler talk time. So, Pat, in three, two, one, talk to me about the episode entitled Beloved. God damn you, fucking roadie. What the fuck? Um, no, th- this episode was awesome. Uh, the episode was just mind-blowing that I sat there on the edge of my couch, you know, jaw slack hitting the floor. You know, it, it was absolutely insane. It definitely was. And they needed to pick this pace up, and I thought they did. They've they covered a lot of ground here. Yes, they did. And I think that that was something that fans have been waiting for. And I think the fact that they finally got around to it, they dumped a lot at once. Yes, they did. But I never felt that it was taken out of the episode. I felt that they really structured it well, that I could keep a good idea about what was going on, especially when they had arguably their best action sequence. I have seen in recent memory. Yeah, I'd have to say. I mean, it's in that conversation, but I but I have to say, like for Marvel Studios itself, yes, I think it has done that, and I think that they set a pretty high bar moving forward. Mm-hmm. But a lot of emotional moments coming out of this one as well. 
because as the episode kicks off, we do find out the history of future, I should say. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of history, too, for Gaia, yeah. who played by Amelia Clark, mm-hmm. who was, quote-unquote, killed. I'll say, take your victory lap. By Gravik. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you called it. You know, but I had a feeling, too, with how much she was getting involved in the behind-the-scenes, mm-hmm. that Gravik, who has been the head person behind the scroll invasion of Earth, mm-hmm. because he has obviously been fed up with getting told, yeah, we're going to help you find a planet. We're going to help he's you been, find a He's planet. been getting strung along. Right. And to see Kingsley Ben-Adir play him and just really step the game up and really just unload so much emotion and, you know, ferocity in his, mm-hmm. in his character, I really thought played such a great part. But to see the aftermath of this, we knew that Gaia was going to come back in some form. Yeah. Now, I was not expecting it to be like this, but it does make a lot of sense because as we see before she runs away from the base she's at, mm-hmm. she jumps into the machine that we were exposed to last episode Betrayed, mm-hmm. which is how everybody is being converted into Super Skrulls. Mm-hmm. And the one element that I forgot about when we were talking about this yeah. is we had known that Groot's uh, biochemistry was involved. Right, or his DNA, yes. or whatever it is. The Frost Giants were somehow involved. Yep. And the third one I completely forgot about because I thought it was Eternals, and I try forgetting about that any, any chance I get. It was the Extremists. Oh, yeah. Which is from Iron Man 3. Right. I, I didn't even recognize it, I'll be honest. I, I recognized the Frost Giant, and I recognized Groot, and I saw the third one went, what the fuck is that? And then the scene moved on, so I totally forgot. Yeah, but here we are seeing that she's now using the machine to yeah. make herself into a super scroll. Yeah. And this does allow her to heal from Gravik's bullet. Mm-hmm. So very cool sequence of events. Yeah. And like I said, I had a feeling that she wasn't just done right there because I think had she had been taken out like that, it would have hurt the overall story. See, but I and I agree with you, but I was like, Surely they wouldn't kill off a major uh, actor or actress in, mm-hmm. in the show. But then I was like, well, wait, they've done it before. You know, Kurt Russell, uh, Michael B. Jordan, you know, just to name a few. I was like, they've killed off major actors and actresses before. You know, so I figured she might come back in like some sort of like flashback sequence or something like that. I didn't expect her to wholesale, you know, do the Jon Snow Game of Thrones. <gasps> you yeah. know, and all of a sudden she's back to life that quickly. The only reason it tipped off to me a little bit is we had known that Gravik is a super scroll. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first instance, and I'm not counting the blip because that's a whole other ball of wax. Sure. This is the first instance we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe of somebody coming back to life. Um, it's It's been done in the comics at, right, right, at right. fucking nauseum. But in the Cinematic Universe... As of yet, we haven't seen anybody come back to life. I think this is the first instance. The Groot Guardians of the Galaxy 1 is debatable. I mean, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, I think you are right, Pad. Because we've had, like I said, we've had villains die. None of them have come back. Michael B. Jordan was a a hallucination, if anything. Mm. You know, we've never had anybody come back to life. I mean, Thanos, yeah, he the one version was killed, but then that was time travel. Right, yeah, that's a whole different Yeah. Yeah, that's no, a whole I, different so I, ball, so I think this is the first there. instance we've had in the cinematic universe of somebody coming back to life. I think you're right. Through through means of other than like time travel or other crazy shit. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you there. 
So to see this happen, it does make sense. But the the only reason it kind of tipped me off a little bit is Gravik had powers. Mm-hmm. We're not expecting any other superheroes to be involved. Presumably. Right. So it would make sense that they would have to have either Talos get powered up. Right. Or Gaia was going to be the one to do it. So that's how right. I kind of decided about this. Because I think for the end game here, pun intended, you're going to have that showdown. And I think now, with which we'll get into that at the end of the episode... I now see where they're going with this, and it's going to make a lot of sense. Okay. But we do see that after she heals up, she finally meets up with Talos, played by Ben Mendelsohn. Mm-hmm. And we now get a little bit of the plan that's going on. Yeah. And then, you know, Talos is talking to her as well, saying the president of the United States, President Ritson, mm-hmm. is somehow connected in with this. Mm-hmm. And, or somebody close to him. Yes. And we have to figure out what's going on there because Gravik is going to make a play for him. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you can get the president of the United States on your side, so to speak, or have somebody impersonate him, right? that's going to get a lot of moving parts happening well, for what he's trying to do. you got to figure he's already got NATO, which is pretty powerful in and of itself. He's got the United Kingdom prime minister, mm-hmm. also pretty goddamn powerful. And that's just the ones we know. Right. That's just the ones in this secret cabal, secret evil Illuminati type of thing. Mm-hmm. God only knows who else he's got in his control that like, oh, for, you know, appearances and, and we got to keep up some appearances like you, I've got control of, you know, all, oh, you know, the head of China, mm-hmm. you know, or, or pick some other country. But it, it'd look real weird if, if they start being buddy buddy with all these other nations they've had issues with for 50 plus years. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, that, these are just the ones we know of. Yeah. So also Talos is kind of tipping off that he's really getting behind the idea of we got to find the scrolls of homeworld. Mm-hmm. Fury has wasted his time. It hasn't gotten done. He's going to do this, but it all depends on if they can stop graphic or not. Right. So Gaia is not happy to hear this. She didn't think the plan is all that strong. She's like, I really, after all these years, I thought you would have come up with something a little better. Well, you have to th- realize about this too. She has been around graphic long enough and graphic is saying the right things. But well, he's going about it the wrong way. Well, he's saying the things that are very popular. Right. And, and, and appeal to a lot of people. Oh, yeah, exactly. And especially for the scrolls, this is kind of the situation they've been in since the 90s. It's like, yeah. okay, if not now, when? Yeah. So I can understand how he's he's spinning this to get people on the side. And Gaia is somebody that can see both sides of the, the playing field, so to speak. Yeah. Talos understands how to do the political side of things because mm-hmm. it's like, it's it's a great idea on paper, but mm-hmm. it's not like a snap of the fingers that we can make this happen. Mm-hmm. There are ways to do this. But still, they have a good ally on their side with Gaia, and this will come in play, not this episode, but a little more down the road. Meanwhile, we go back to Priscilla Fury. Mm-hmm. And this is where fans were waiting to see what happened, because obviously we knew last episode she was a scroll. Mm-hmm. And we did know that there was a voice on a cell phone that was saying that they were going to meet up. Mm-hmm. And we had an idea who it was, but we finally got the confirmation. Pad, who is the mysterious contact? Fucking Colonel James Rhodes. That's right. Don Cheadle, playing James Rhodey, that is, motherfucker. is an actual scroll named Rava. Mm-hmm. And we do see the whole sequence of events that Rava has put out the hit about killing Nick Fury. Yeah, and, and we come to find out uh, the whole situation of him getting quote-unquote fired, we find out didn't come down from the president at all. He made that shit up himself. Mm-hmm. Which is all playing part of Gravik's plan. Mm-hmm. 
So they're having this conversation in a church of all places. Yes, sir. While there's some sort of service going on. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at his home, relaxing, is one Nick Fury mm-hmm. listening in on everything going on. Because he's either got a bug on his wife or a bug in the room. I'm guessing both. Both. Because he's redundant like that. It's Nick Fury. This is how he does business, folks. So he is now catching up about everything, and he knows that Priscilla is coming to come back to the house and try killing him. Mm -hmm. So she returns home, and there is this weird standoff. It's like something out of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yes, which I I got to admit I love the scene. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very very well played, very well shot too. I was just sitting there going like, okay, this is gonna be interesting to see how Fury's gonna handle this because we'll want to see how this plays out. Yeah, because he seemed so calm about everything, and especially knowing that the woman you've been married to for we don't know how long mm-hmm. has been a scroll spy the entire time, and Charlene Woodard who's played Priscilla a fantastic job in the sequence too, because they're sitting at their dining room table and they both have guns on the table. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they both take a shot at each other, but they both purposely miss. Mm-hmm. So after the drama is built up, Priscilla kind of lets it out about her whole story and how she took the identity of, of a dying patient mm-hmm. and just how the bonding situation happened there. Yeah that she made a promise to the dying patient that she would never harm whoever she fell in love with. Well, I think at this point she was already kind of introducing Nick to this patient. I don't know if she said if she showed him a picture, but like she did say she described him to her yeah, to see if she would like him. And it sounds like she did. And yeah. And she made, like you said, she made this promise that like, okay, you can you can take my life, you can take my identity. Because the thing we find out is in their conversations, she had a, a fatal form of cancer, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And she never told her family. So this is how, you know, it's how the family never went, wait, you're supposed to be dead. Why are you still here? Well, to the family, nothing was ever wrong. Right. At least not critically. You know, so she finds, she gets permission to take over the life. And she goes, hey, the one caveat, I, I like the sounds of this guy. Don't do anything to harm him. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really cool twist to the story. It was good. There was not a lot of plot holes I could find with that one. And you have to think, too, for how long the they've had the identities mm-hmm. of humans. There is that situation. It's almost like when uh, you see somebody go undercover mm-hmm. for so long yeah. and you see them flip. Yeah. I mean, think about Brian, the late Paul Walker's character in the Fast and Furious. Yes. You know, Brian Spilner. Yes. Decides to join Dominic Toretto's game. And yeah. I mean, it becomes all about family. After Greatest that. cinema uh, in all of history. Yeah. But I mean, even though you, you see this from time and time again throughout movies. That, yeah. You, yeah. That, you know, somebody falls that deep into they've just, a they've, role, a character and, and family. They've lost sight of who they are. Yeah. So you always kind of see that situation play out. And I thought it was very interesting to see it happen here. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing that we often forget, too, with the scrolls, And they did allude to this for a long time, that when a scroll takes over, mm-hmm. If they don't switch back right away, mm-hmm. they lose who they are because they yeah. start, you know, copying those brainwaves so much. Yeah. So we do get a shift to Rhodey, or should I say Rava, taking a shower. Mm-hmm. And then they do the wipe, wipe thing from TikTok. Yeah. And that's revealed when Rhodey does a shift change back mm-hmm. into human Rhodey. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, when he comes out of the room, well, F- Nick Fury is sitting there mm-hmm. and is. 
you know, planting a, you know, trying to have a drink with him. Yeah, some scotch that's been aged for I forget how many years. Yeah, which Rhodey kind of has an idea that something's not right. Mm-hmm. And he's worried about getting poisoned. And mm-hmm. Nick is saying, you know, like, listen, I'll have a drink with you. Yeah, no, I'll prove it's not poison. Yeah, there so, we go. So glug, Nick, glug, glug. So Nick does. And Rhodey <laughs> really starts hitting the bottle. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Oof. So unbeknownst to him... There's a tracker put inside the mm-hmm. liquid. Mm-hmm. So now Fury and Talos, who are still very uneasy working together. Well, at this point, because Fury's having this whole blog conversation about, hey, let's let bygones be bygones. You know, I'm sorry I acted the way you do. We got to stick together. All the meanwhile, he heard the conversation between Priscilla and him. So mm-hmm. he knows what's going on. Yeah. Which it, to me, that scene was great because it's like, oh, he knows what's going on. This is awesome. Yeah. He's tipped off everything. Mm-hmm. So all the cards are slowly getting laid on the table. Mm-hmm. But this is where I think the episode really picks up ground mm-hmm. because now they can track down Rhodey. Rhodey meets up with President Ritson. Mm-hmm. And Fury and Talos are now tracking him. Mm-hmm. Because they're supposed to have a big summit with the leaders of Russia. Uh, and we find out Rhodey had so much to drink, the president can smell it. Yes. And he goes, somebody we need somebody get uh, Colonel Rhodes a, a coffee. Mm-hmm. So they start going to the location of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Gravik and company ambush. Uh, dressed as humans, speaking Russians, furthering the whole, oh, it's the Russians attacking the Americans. You know, it's the Russians retaliating against America for the bombing in Russia, mm-hmm. further stoking that powder keg for World War Three. Yep. So we do see some amazing action sequences oh, here. Jesus. Like I say, this had to be one of Marvel Studios' best events. So like the choreographers recently, for this. Yeah. Recently, yeah. Easily. Like I say, this this was freaking amazing. And you're seeing just the cars getting blown up. You're seeing Gravik yeah. just leading the troops the into fu- battle. The f- fucking presidential motorcade's got a surface-to-air missile launcher in it. What the shit? Yeah. I mean, the business has picked up moniker has definitely been applied for this. Mm-hmm. And, as, and Durban Mulroney's character, President Ritson, he's trapped in his vehicle. He's upside down unconscious, so he has no yep. idea what's going on. Yep. So at this point, Fury and Talos have to go lead in and pick up the Secret Service that's with him mm-hmm. and try fighting back. Mm-hmm. So you do see, like I say, some great action sequences going on here. You do see Gravik use his Super scroll powers for the first time. Yes, he does. So instead of just seeing the extremist healing factor, you do see him use the Groot branch uh, stranglehold, I Which guess. Which is wild to see. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. And I love how they did this interpretation not following the playbook of the Marvel Comics universe. Right. Because, I mean, it would have been easy to do, but obviously with the Fantastic Four rights, you know, they wouldn't be able to exactly do it. But the fact if they can kind of make this a thing moving forward where you you can splice multiple DNAs. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't doesn't have to be the Fantastic Four. It can be, you know, random heroes and villains put together. I think there's a lot of open doors to really run through this. Right. But this is an awesome sequence, and you're seeing about Talos, who's really understanding the temp in the room fighting. He has to make the run to go save Ritson, and during this, he gets shot. Mm-hmm. So he is wounded. He's not killed, though. We can tell that it's affecting him, though, because he's got a half-human face, half-scroll uh, face, mm-hmm. and it's freaking some people out. Yeah, so... The humans there are not sure what to do. Fury has to tell them, like, don't shoot him, don't shoot him, don't shoot him. Yeah, because Fury apparently had the wherewithal to call in a strike team for backup. Well, 
Fury understands what's going on. I think now, you know, it was like a weird moment after he made peace with Priscilla. Yeah. He got down to business. Yeah, he, he was back to the Fury we know and love. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people picked up on that. No. But literally, after he got out of that meeting, he was back to basics. And I think it was a thing that he had to come to terms with his past. And, like, mm-hmm. this is the reality I'm in, and I have to be the one to step up because I have no help. No. It's a lot of pressure on himself, but it played into a very, very strong moment. And especially, too, as he's trying to save Talos, well, during all of the melee going on, because mm-hmm. you got to remember, you have the Skrull army on one side, you have what's left of Fury's reinforcements on the other. Mm-hmm. It's like a crazy battle scene going on. Yeah. Gravik winds up sneaking in and stabbing Talos right in front of Fury. Yeah, because Talos, with like his last last batch of energy, gets the president out, and they extract him and leading him away. Mm -hmm. And this random soldier who's in camo and the helmet and everything else comes up and goes, oh, here, I got you. And he starts leading him away. And Fury sees him, and he goes, hey, put him down. Because I think Fury knows... That ain't right. What's going on? And he tells him he got to put him down. And that's when I think Fury actually puts a shot into him. Yep. But it doesn't do a damn bit of good Mm. because he still stabs Talos, killing him, and then changes back into Gravik and goes, ha, gotcha. Again. And then Fury winds up escaping with Ritson. And has to leave Talos' body there. Yeah. Which I get the feeling, knowing the way comics do, that's going to come back to bite him in the ass. One of two things is going to happen. Yeah. Because as this episode ends, Talos, I think, is gone, gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, so, dead. He's so, dead, dead. Yeah, so there's no question about this. Yeah, because uh, unlike his daughter, he is not a super scroll. Mm-hmm. He does not have the ability to regenerate. Right. I think what's going to play out is Gravik is going to spin this in front of Gaia saying, Fury killed your dad. Yeah. And tr- he's going to yeah. try spinning this. And you're going to have this moment where she is debating what's happening here. Yeah. And I think this is where Fury ultimately wins her over. Right. And it's going to be Gaia versus Gravik in the finale. And I don't think either makes it out alive. It could be that. I think it also could be a case of Gravik uses one of his puppets in the other world world leaders to like present to the United Nations or NATO or whatever. Pick your force and goes, hey, look, this guy was seen piling around with Nick Fury who worked for the U.S. government. Mm. You know, the U.S. Gov- U.S. government's using aliens and stoking the fear and paranoia and trying to get the rest of the world to turn on the United States. Yeah. To try and get like a further like, hey, we're trying to really light that powder keg. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing a great job of it. Like I say, it's going to be very tense this Pretentious, I should say, mm-hmm. going into the finale. But I also think we have one more reveal, and I think now it's becoming more evident to me. Fury is a scroll. Maybe. But you think about it like this. He's been able to see Gravik in his different forms mm-hmm. each time. Yeah. Now, granted, it could just be he's very skilled at this. Yeah, he's been around him enough. But I almost think that whoever the agent is that's supposed to be Fury is just that far gone into Fury's mannerisms. Yeah, maybe. That he's like now really believing he is Nick Fury. Like as crazy as it sounds, I think that's ultimately how it plays out. I did hear a crazy rumor though online. Mm-hmm. You remember at the end of Winter Soldier? Fury standing at his grave? Yes. What if Fury actually was dead and this was the replacement and he's been oh. there the entire time? Oh, okay. Okay. I mean, granted, I don't know how that works and how they can retcon it with the snap and everything, but... Yeah. Well, there is a lot of in-between time. 
Mm -hmm. from when he gets killed in that movie to when you see him again. Right. Food for thought. Uh, I also think uh, Rhodey tor- turned uh, after Civil War or in, uh, at the end of Civil War. I agree. When he was when he was injured, he got injured, and then we saw him rehabbing at the Avengers Complex somewhere in between there. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that too. Because uh, Kevin Feige came out and said as much as like, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but Kevin Feige said that like Rhodey's been a scroll for a lot longer than you think. Yeah. So he was a scroll for, I'm guessing since the end of Civil War. Yeah. A lot to digest here. But, Pad, final thoughts on the episode. Incredible episode. Like I said, people wanted shit to hit the fan, and boy did it ever. And that makes next week's episode, or or this week's episode, uh, must-watch TV. Yeah, I agree with you. This was probably the best episode they've had thus far. Agreed. A lot of payoff for events that we thought were going to happen. I was very shocked that Talos is killed, but I think that that's going to be the spark to get Gaia on Fury's side. I could say it. Leading for the ultimate showdown between Gravik and Gaia, and I think all bets are off about who walks away from that one. I'm, but I got to be honest, I'm hoping Gravik lives. Mm-hmm. Like he 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 gets, you know, put into the raft or whatever the 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 max jail right. system is. The, the one they had the Avengers in. Yeah. Because he's been such a great character, and I and I don't want to see yet again somebody killed off. Mm-hmm. That's a villain that you know. This doesn't happen in the comics. Like not every villain gets killed off after each battle. So I like to see Gravik stick around, but I think ultimately, like him and Guy are is the showdown that's going to happen. I think Fury takes out Rava, mm-hmm. and I think that we go from here. Arguably, the Marvels, I guess. Mm-hmm. Pending, I mean, because I think you will probably get a Carol Danvers appearance in this show, or Monica Rambeau. I think you'll yeah, get somebody. Yeah, it could be. Because I don't I, like. I don't know if they can wrap up everything with how it's going. I mean, obviously, I don't think we're gonna have a Secret Invasion two. Probably not. You never but, know, though. But crazier things have happened. But there's a lot of interesting theories to digest. But a strong episode, nevertheless. A lot of things happening. So you know the deal by now. Odie Page Society, hit us up on that hashtag. Let us know your thoughts about. Marvel Studios and Disney Plus's episode four of Secret Invasion entitled Beloved. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you like comic books? What about movies and TV shows? Well, we may be the show for you. We're Hops Geek News, a weekly podcast that discusses comics, movies, and TV shows while featuring a beer of the week. Every week we chat about what we messed up on the week before, and then we dive into what we're reading and watching, as well as some news. We then wrap it up with a geek-themed topic of the week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts by searching Hops Geek News. Cheers. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it is con season. Con! That's right. It is the time of year for the world-famous San Diego Comic-Con International, (coughs) taking place July 20th through the 23rd. And we are going to give you our preview of events because obviously there's been a couple uh, <laughs> card subjects to change. Yeah, uh, especially with as we mentioned in the opening of the show with the writer strike going on and the uh, Screen Actors Guild strike going on. There, you might look through the the uh, panelist, and there are some of these panels that probably won't happen. The only one I know for I, that I know for certain is not happening is there was supposed to have been a panel for the upcoming Dune film, uh, the sequel to Denis Villeneuve's uh, movie from a couple of years ago. Uh, that's not happening. 
Uh, so we're going to stick away from those, mm-hmm. you know, just because, again, with with everything going on, odds are they're probably not going to happen, but you never know. Uh, but so we're going to stick to some stuff we're pretty sure is going to be happening. Absolutely, because they're still the biggest word of everything going on here with this con is comic. Oh, I thought it was con. Well, it's not a con because it's a convention. Well, I guess uh... you could say that too, Pat. I guess you could say that. But as far as I am concerned and as far as Pat is concerned, it is all about the comics, and that's there's a lot of great stuff. Yes, this there year. are. So we definitely have to deep dive into it. So what we're going to do is kind of go through each day: Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What jumps out to us? What we think is like when we read this is going to be like you need to go check this out. So all the information that we are getting from this is coming either from our press outlets, which we'll definitely shout out, or comic-con.org. Mm-hmm. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so the first one I'm going to mention takes place, and all of these times are Pacific time, uh, takes place on Thursday, July 20th from 11.15 a.m. to 12.15 a.m., and this is the Mattel WWE Elite Squad Fan Panel. And the description of this reads, quote, The Mattel WWE Elite Squad defends their title as the action figure champions of San Diego Comic-Con with with all new WWE action figure reveals and WWE superstar guests. Join hosts Sam Roberts and Johnny Gargano. Oh, let's go. For a star-studded panel featuring the Mattel design team and superstars from WWE, close quote. So this is obviously the panel they have every year at San Diego Comic-Con where they unveil the newest line of elite squad figures of the pro wrestling what's going to be coming out and i know for those of you in the collecting community especially the pro wrestling figure collecting community y'all are a wild bunch i've I've seen (laughs) i've seen the lengths you go to to get these figures i applaud you because that is a length i am not willing to go to myself i agree uh but that's gonna be one to definitely tune in for you know and and especially if you got kids Mm. you know look out for the news on social media what they're announcing you know if you got a if you got a kid who's into pro wrestling and they want to figure hey Check out what gets announced at this panel. Might be an early uh, Christmas idea for you. This panel is a little more than just your average toy reveal. Mm-hmm. And we've seen you know a lot of surprises happen at this. And if you're a WWE fan, you definitely want to be in attendance for it. Something tells me you're going to have adrenaline in your soul. You're going to have something, something, Cody Rhodes. Maybe. At a, at a guess. I'm just guessing. At a guess. We, I mean, we kind of have to throw it in there. What else you got lined up, Pat? Uh, the next one I've got takes place on Thursday, July 20th uh, from 11.15 a.m. to 12.15 a.m. And this is the ninth annual Musical Anatomy of a Superhero Film and TV Composer Panel. This one is one that I think everyone who is there should attend because I am a uh, film score lover. Uh, some of my favorite albums are film scores, but this one is just nuts if you're a superhero movie fan. Moderated by Michael Giacchino, The Batman, Spider-Man No Way Home, Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, by the way, he also, it's not listed here, but oh, by the way, he did Rogue One, and he did at least the last two Star Trek movies. Dude knows his stuff. Leading Hollywood composers, uh, Christoph Beck, who did Agatha Coven of Chaos and Shazam Fury of the Gods, plus Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania soundtracks. Laura Cartman, who did the Marvel soundtrack, Ms. Marvel soundtrack, and the soundtrack for What If?, Benjamin Walfish, who did the soundtrack for Flash and the first Shazam movie. And then Christopher Lennertz, who did the soundtrack for The Boys and Agent Carter, along with David Russo, who did work on the Gotham Knights, Pennyworth, and Gotham soundtrack, discussed the challenges of creating the musical landscape of the superhero genre. The composers explained the process through unreleased music and video clips for upcoming and recently released projects. 
So obviously you think of superhero movies and obviously Danny Elfman's Batman theme comes to mind. John Williams uh, Superman theme comes to mind. Uh, You know, uh, the Avengers theme comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. As much as these characters are seminal with their look and their color and their logo for a lot of these characters. They've also got a theme with them. I mean, hell, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. Like, they're they're synonymous with them. So if you're in attendance, definitely recommend you check this one out because you might not think about it, but music, very important to the superhero genre. It's definitely a cool panel, and I think this kind of represents a lot of Comic-Con, too, because you're going to see a lot of different fandoms, a lot of different topics brought up Mm -hmm. throughout the entire con Mm -hmm. and i think there's always such a cool option for fans to go to because you never would think like how you know music should get a whole panel yeah and they're going to really deep dive into it and it's like when you start sitting in a tennis court and you start being part of the conversation it's like i never realized this but then you couldn't taking away that knowledge and Mm -hmm. going somewhere with it so and and music you might not think about especially for like films and tv can blow your mind fun little tidbit i learned the other day you're familiar with the theme song for mission impossible that when you when you write it out in Morse code because it's it's Morse code, da 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 da, is Morse code for M I. Oh, get out! Mission Impossible. I'm today today's old. Yeah, no, the, like so, music can blow your mind every day, and hopefully, I just blew some of your minds at home. Just blew mine. Yeah. Uh, next up, also taking place on Thursday, July twentieth, from eleven forty-five a.m. to twelve forty-five a.m. Pokemon bringing iconic animation to global an- audiences. Uh, the Pokemon Company International (TPCI) takes a behind-the-scenes look at how the beloved Pokemon animated series is localized from its original Japanese version to one of the most popular series enjoyed by international audiences. In a panel moderated by streamer and comic book writer Megan uh, Camarina, also known as Strawberry Seventeen. Oh yeah, TPCI's uh, Taito Akiura, Vice President of Marketing and Business Development. Andy Goose, uh, Senior Director of Media Production, and Hillary Thomas, Senior Producer, will discuss optimizing the series for global viewers. Provide fans with a sneak peek at the special collection of episodes that will conclude Ash and Pikachu's 25-season story journey in Pokemon Ultimate Journeys, the series, and share new behind-the-scenes insights regarding the highly anticipated Pokemon Horizons, the series, coming soon to fans around the world, close quote. So definitely something to check out because Pokemon's been around since 1997. Right. You know, it's been around quite a while. And the fact that it's still going, definitely something to check out with this. Also, if you haven't seen how Ash and Pikachu's journey ends, if you've been along for the ride since the beginning, boy, it's going to tug at your heartstrings. A little spoiler there. Uh, and then your plus, you're going to get a, a sneak peek of the new series that I know is out in Japan right now, but obviously they're working on getting it dubbed and everything else here for stateside. But hey, if the show's been around for 25 years and you're a fan, definitely worth checking this panel out. No, absolutely. This one. Like I say, I'm not too well-versed in the Pokemon sure. landscape as you are. Sure. But Megan is there, and she's co-writer of Radiant Pink. Hey, there you go. So, like I say, you got my attention there. There you go. You know, like, I really enjoyed that series. Also, on Thursday, July 20th, this time from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m., it is Doctor Who Comics. Climb on board the TARDIS to see the future of Doctor Who publishing. Uh, and then it says, Eisner-nominated writer Jody Hauser sits down with Forbidden Planet TV's Andrew Sumner to discuss the new Doctor Who Doomsday Comics series 
and A Doctor in the House, Part 1 and 2, part of BB, the BBC Studios Transmedia Project, launching this summer. The panel will also feature a special video message from superstar Marvel writer Dan Slott. Interesting. About his upcoming Doctor Who comics project, including a sneak peek of all new Doctor Who art. So obviously Doctor Who getting ready to come back. I know there was a bunch of character posters released today as we record. You know, you've got the new season coming up along with the David Tennant specials, you know, him returning. So definitely if you're a Doctor Who fan, it's about to be a real good time of year for you. Yeah, and in fact, Dan Slott's doing something there. Yeah. I, did, I actually did not hear about this, so this yeah. is news to me, so okay. Uh, also taking place Thursday uh, from 2.30 to 3.30 p.m., Marvel's Spider-Man 2 Symbiotic Relationships. Yes. Insomniac Games creative director Brian uh, Intihar, game director Ryan Smith, narrative director John Peck, uh, Packett, and senior art director Jensita Chu are joined by voice actors Yuri Laurenthal, Peter Parker, uh, Najee Jeter, who plays Miles Morales, Laura Bailey, who plays Mary Jane Watson, and Tony Todd, who's voicing Venom, along with voiceover and creative director Bill Roseman from Marvel Games to discuss the upcoming PlayStation 5 game. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Insomniac Games' take on the monstrous Venom and how the symbiote plays a role in the sequel to the hit PlayStation games Marvel Spider-Man and Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, so this one is going to be insane. I know the first footage came out about maybe a month ago now. Mm-hmm. It looks fucking insane, and yeah. I cannot wait to play this. Hopefully we get a little more footage out of this, you know, but we'll, we'll see. I would imagine so. I think this is probably one of the more anticipated panels of the weekend because mm-hmm. obviously that game, I don't think people outside the video game world realize how big that game is. It's so good. Like that's the whole thing. It's one universally fans over like uh-huh. I say like it is just one of those games that like it comes off you know every, like once every like five years there's always that game that just everybody mm-hmm. has and everybody yeah. plays and everybody raves yeah it's it's the spider-man franchise right now yeah from no Insomniac, it is so yeah it is uh and then on thursday july 20th from 3 to 4 p.m you've got the crunchyroll industry panel uh, and all this says is hear about all the latest and greatest anime coming out of crunchyroll straight from the source so if you're a fan of all things Crunchyroll, like I am, mm. uh, definitely going to be interested to see hear what they talk about. Because no matter what con it is, they always have a Crunchyroll industry panel, and they're always tight-lipped about what it's going to be. So you never know. You could get some crazy reveals at this. Oh, absolutely. I think that's yeah. you know, something, that especially if you're in anime, Crunchyroll does it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how good do they do it? Oh, Crunchy, Crunchyroll's so good. Like you, if for, I think for like the low price of like $6.99 a month, mm-hmm. you think, because you can watch for free, but you get ads. But if you pay, I think it's like $6.99 a month, you get an ad for and you get a whole bunch of other stuff because there's some stuff you can't watch you need a premium subscription to watch but like you think about the amount of stuff you're able to watch on Crunchyroll mm. if you're an anime fan you need to sign up for Crunchyroll yeah. bar none like they just added every uh, Dragon Ball Z movie yeah. to Crunchyroll now granted it's in it's in the uh, subbed version it's not dubbed yet so if that matters to you you might have to wait a little bit but regardless they added every single Dragon Ball Z movie from you know the first one all the way up to uh Super Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Yep, it's it's nuts. Yeah, uh, taking place on Friday, July twenty first, from one to two p.m. Lucasfilm Publishing Stories from a Galaxy Far Far Away. This is the panel that whenever I go to New York Comic Con is the one I know I have to hit. Yeah, it's Pat's home. Uh, because I love Star Wars books. Uh, the description of this reads, quote, from the days of the glorious High Republic to the Age of Rebellion to Rise of the First Order. Some of Lucasfilm, Publish- Lucasfilm Publishing's all-star authors, including Delilah S. Dawson, Justina Ireland, E.K. Johnston, George Mann, Kevin Scott, some dude named Charles Soule, 
and Man of a Thousand Voices, Mark Thompson, discuss stories from throughout the entire Star Wars saga, offering publishing reels, announcements, and sneak peeks for readers and fans of all ages. Uh, and it's going to be moderated by Lucasfilm Publishing Creative Director Michael Siglane, who he's done a number of these, so he's he's fantastic. This is always fun to go to if you're a Star Wars fan, and especially if you love the books. They t- And they don't just talk about books. They talk about, you know, adult books, young reader books, mm. you know, young adult books, kids books, the DK books, you know, comic books, you know, if it's anything Star Wars publishing and, and Lucasfilm's involved, they're going to talk about it and you never know what you're going to find out here uh, because the one I went to a couple years ago after the, I can't remember if it was the first or second Thrawn book had been published uh, by Timothy Zahn. Everyone was loving it. Everyone, it, it was on, on the New York Times bestseller list. He dropped, he's like, so they're talking about all, all going through the panelists. Oh, what have you been talking about? Or what have you been writing about? How have things been going? Blah, blah, blah. He just decided to casually drop on the entire audience. Like, oh, yeah, I've been working on some stuff, writing some treatments. I submitted my first copy of a new first draft of a new Thrawn book last week. And everyone's like, what? 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 So you never know what you're going to find out at this panel. It's fantastic stuff. No, absolutely. Like I say, this is Pad's go-to. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever at a con and you want to meet Pad, he, yeah. will be, he will be there signing autographs in the second row. Yes. Like, that's how he rolls. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, on Friday, July 21st, from 2.15 to 2.3.15, Weta Workshop celebrating 20 years of Middle Earth. Weta Workshop presents a 20-year retrospective on creating imaginary worlds. Richard Taylor, co-founder and CEO, Weta Workshop, Gino... Acevedo, Senior Prosthetics Supervisor for Lord of the Rings, Weta FX Creative Art Director, Daniel Falconer, who's the Senior Designer of Ferweta Workshop, and some of their crew take a look behind the scenes in this, the Lord of the Rings 20th anniversary year. Jed Brophy, actor stuntman for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, will host a Q&A, and there may be a surprise return to the stage for a fan favorite. Hmm. They will also reveal our Return of the King 20th anniversary Master's Collection collectible. So if you're not familiar, what a workshop is the crew that designed all of the armor, all of the prosthetics that look so goddamn lifelike in the Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, because they were real. If you're not familiar with their work, go do a Google search. It's absolutely stunning stuff. I know they've done some other movies. I know we got to see it up close and personal mm-hmm. at one year for Comic-Con when they did. I forget the movie's name, but there was a movie coming out that they did the work for that. I'm like, oh, my God, this is I could tell. I'm like, this is Wada. This is incredible. Yeah, it's very detailed. It's like down to the most minute stuff on there. It's incredible stuff. So if you're in attendance, definitely go check this panel out. Yeah, it's one of those things that you sit there and you're kind of like, I never realized how much went into it. Like mm-hmm. we all we all kind of take it for granted sometimes yeah and then when you see it like broken down how they do it and just up close like yeah it's just like holy crap yeah you you never process yeah it's like the minute stuff like on some of the armor that you're like okay why would they put that there nobody's ever going to notice that in the movie unless they're going like frame by frame Mm -hmm. but that's just the level of dedication and love they have that they put it there yeah it's wild Mm -hmm. so my list it's a little longer because like I say, I have a lot of comic stuff I want to break down. So that's why I wanted Pad to get his stuff out of the way first because, I, like I say, he's got a lot of great picks. But me, I'm going heavy, heavy, heavy comics. First one up for me is on Thursday at uh, noon to 1 p.m. Pacific. Mm-hmm. IDW has a very cool uh, panel going on for Star Trek entitled Star Trek More Bold Than Ever. Hey. 
ever before. So the description reads, never before has Star Trek been bigger or bloodier. IDW group editor Heather Antos and writers Chris Cantwell, Colin Kelly, and Jackson Lansing, we know them as the mind hive there, our hive mind, they're going to be giving us an inside look at Star Trek's Day of Blood, the first ever Star Trek comic crossover event. Ooh, so interesting. If, if, if you haven't been checking out everything going on with IDW and Star Trek, they're putting out some really, really good books. And like I say, this is the first ever uh, Star Trek comics crossover yeah, event. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to have a whole star-studded panel. It's going to be a you know, great time to be in attendance for. So if you are able to get there, you definitely want to make sure you swing through. Next up on Thursday, 1245, Gotham City. So me, I am always a super fan of going to this mm-hmm. uh, because one of my first panels I ever went to was at New York Comic Con, mm-hmm. and it was the Gotham City Batman book panel. So anytime that we can do something like this, and like I say, it's a great entryway into like one of your favorite characters, so you always want to kind of see when they're doing a line you know, panel like this. Mm-hmm. So reading the description right from DC.com, whether it's the past, present, or future, Gotham City has been the backdrop for some of the greatest stories in DC history featuring Batman, his allies, and his foes. Join storytellers Tom King, Teeny Howard, Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, Rom V, and a surprise guest or two to find out uh, what's to come with the Dark Knight and other superheroes and Ooh. villains making Gotham City their place to be in the DCU. And uh, Belling Ortega, I'm sorry, that was blended together on the press release here. So, yeah, so like it's a very star studded panel. You yeah. definitely want to check that out. And like I said, if you're into Batman, you want to really get an insight of what's going on. The lineup right there is amazing, and they will put on one yeah. hell of an entertaining panel. So you definitely want to check that out. Also from DC, because I did not realize that this was this day. Okay. 11.30, so right before this panel. Okay. Between Two Toms. Tom King, Tom Taylor. Well, shit, that better be standing room only. Yeah. Just going and talking comics. So I could listen to that all day. Yeah. Nicola Scott and Mitch Gerards are going to be in attendance there as well, too. So, like, that is going to be an amazing panel. Yeah. Like I say, the Tom's talking. Like, yeah. I, I don't really need that much else to sell me and say, uh, take my money now, but yet here we are. Yeah, really. So, that is going to be one you definitely want to check out. There's also one at 1 o'clock, and this one caught my eye, and you, when you read the description, you're going to be like, oh, family affair, families that create stories together. And you're not going to piece this together until you start seeing who's coming there. Okay. But it's Scott Snyder, Ooh. Jimmy Palmati, and Amanda Connor uh, discussing creating stories and following in the footsteps of their family members. So this is 1 p.m. that's going to be taking place on Thursday. And they're going to be talking about a lot of the books they do. And this is just a cool concept because Scott has a book coming out with his son, Jack, uh, entitled By a Thread. Mm. And that will be coming out on Comixology at some point this year. I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping to lock Scott in for an interview for that. So fingers crossed. But I think this is just such a cool thing that you're going to hear about the families that work together on comics and just that whole process that goes into it. So I am telling you, I really think it's going to be a, a must-attend panel if you're out there. So you definitely want to keep that on your radar. And then there is a couple big ones that are going on, uh, one of which from Boom Studios. And this is the it's Morphin' Time with Boom Studios. So reading the press release from Boom, Boom Studios and Hasbro celebrates 30 years of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers storytelling and comics pad. Mm-hmm. So Melissa Flores, Megan Carmena, and C- series editors Allison Gronowitz 
and Daphna Plevin mm-hmm. are going to be for a roundtable discussion of the history of the series and exciting look at what's next and some special surprises. I preach this all the time because I think the line of Power Rangers books by Boom is must read. Mm-hmm. It is some of the best stuff on the market. And if you have not been reading what Melissa Flores and Simona D. Gianfelice have had coming out, oh my God, you are not ready for what is next. The Darkest Hour is going to be kicking off very, very soon. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more details about that. And if you're not familiar with that, you need to get familiar. Perfect time to jump back in on that series because, like I say, the cross the the year long story arc as last I knew is going to be kicking off at issue one eleven, and that is going to be coming up very very shortly. So you don't want to miss that. Nice. Also, there is a a company that is making a big splash, and I'm going to tell you right now, I feel they might take the crown for winners of uh, San Diego. You know how we usually give our gold, silver, bronze. Yeah. Distillery. Hmm. is making a big splash Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Okay. So reading the press release from Distillery, Thursday, 2 p.m., the Great Distillery live draw with Tulalote, Jacques, and Mirka Andolov. Mm-hmm. The greatest comic artists, artists of the 21st century collide in this once-in-a-lifetime event. As Tulalote, Jacques, and Mirka draw in real time while answering questions about their process and world building. Process that, Pat. That's wild. In real time, they're going to be drawing and answering questions and explaining everything. The quartet will also answer questions about the future, about their books for Distillery, a new creator-owned publisher devoted to releasing oversized prestige comics, including The Devil's Cut. Hey. And this is going to be something for comic book collectors. If you did not pre-order The Devil's Cut, you really need to track a copy down when it comes out. Mm-hmm. And they have got so much stuff going on. Like I'll even just break down the whole distillery lineup here. Friday, 2.30 p.m., Scott Snyder and Jock. Mm-hmm. I don't think I need to say anything more than that. Probably not. But I will. Uh, like I said, it's all coming from the distillery press release. In the course of a decade, Scott Snyder and Jock have single-handedly resculpted comics' greatest mythological foundations, beginning with their provocative character-defining run on detective comics. The pair has since conjured some of the most horrifying, enchanting new worlds in sequential art through their collaborations on witches, as well as their other myriad other projects. Now both pioneers entering a new uh, founding creators at Distillery. Uh, like They're going to be talking about their new stuff coming out. And let me okay. tell you, like the buzz behind this company is well-deserved. Mm-hmm. The lineup they have is ridiculous. Uh, like I say, if you're not excited about it, you need to check your pulse. And then to top it all off for them, Saturday, July 22nd, 1.30, uh, Distillery presents Drinking from the Devil's Cut. Mm-hmm. And this is the introduction to Distillery. In the aging process, the whiskey that evaporates is called the Angel's Share, but the most potent spirits is captured in the wood, the Devil's Cut. So available at the convention, uh, exclusive covers for the Devil's Cut that overflow with unfiltered stories from the most fearless creators, offering a distinct taste of the quality to come. So joining a murderer's row of the book's contributors, including Tulote, Scott Snyder, James Tynan, Jacques, Mark Bernadin, uh, Joel Jones, uh, the list goes on and on. Like they have, This is going to be a stacked panel. That's crazy. And I'm going to tell you the news coming out of this one is going to be one that's going to be dominating a lot of your comic news feed. Distillery has got so much cool stuff they're going to be doing, so you definitely want to stop by their booth and go check it out. And like I say, it's ridiculous the stuff that is going to be 
buzzing from this. I'm telling you right now, I think Distillery is going to make a run for stealing con from everybody. But that's just how deep they're running with this, too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, we talk con uh, and who usually likes to be king, and that is Marvel Comics. Yes. And they are definitely coming in very, very you know, noteworthy, is kind of put it mildly. You already talked about the Spider-Man 2 panel. Mm-hmm. Um, for the video game. Yep. Designing the X-Men, a week in Marvel special event at 4 p.m. So Ryan Pentagos, uh, a.k.a. Agent M, is going to be hosting a live action or live edition of This Week in Marvel. Joining him will be C.B. Sobalski, Jordan White, Sarah Brunstead, and you never know what's going to be happening, but this is going to be tying into a lot of stuff going on with the Hellfire Gala and what is going on with the X-Men line going into the fall of X. So paraphrasing that from the Marvel Comics press release, I'm telling you, I've sat through one of these before for Captain America Cold War. This is a fun experience if you get a chance to get out there for it. Uh, you definitely want to keep that in mind. And like I say, it's I, they always put on great panels. Mm-hmm. Mar- Marvel does a stellar job with this. Uh, 5 p.m. too on Thursday is Marvel and Prokotik, uh, the art of storytelling. So learn the art of comic storytelling with Marvel and Proka. Join their first panel of industry vets, including Ryan Benjamin, E.M. Gist, uh, Sanford Green and Jim Zub, along with Proco founder Stan Proco Pen- Penico mm-hmm. and C.B. Sobalski, as they're going to be talking about shop and just developing characters. And, and like a lot of really cool stuff going on with this. So you want to keep an eye out for that. Friday, though, they have a loaded day. Okay. So Friday, July 21st, Marvel Heroes, Hulks, and Super Soldiers, 3 p.m. Marvel, reading straight copy in from the Marvel press release, Marvel Comics editor Nick, executive editor Nick Lowe, is leading a panel featuring Marvel's super live uh, solo superhero series. J. Michael Straczynski takes Captain America to the streets of Manhattan. That is a new book that's coming out this fall. A lot of people talking about that, and rightfully so. Buzz behind that is huge. While Moon Knight roams the, street, roams the roads of Egyptian lore and David Pepos's Moon Knight and the City of the Dead. Hmm. Always like so happy for David Peppos now doing work over Marvel too. He's he's crushing it over there. Meanwhile, the Hulk takes control of Bruce Banner as Philip Kennedy Johnson continues his new Hulk run, and the hits keep coming all across the rest of the action-packed Marvel universe with editor C.B. Sobalski uh, in in uh, long for the panel. So you're gonna be hearing a lot of stuff coming out of this one. Definitely exciting time. 4.15 right after that is going to be Marvel Fanfare with C.B. Sobalski. So he'll be talking with Joe Casada. Hey. So this is a one-on-one speech. And like I say, talking about past and uh, present editor-in-chiefs at Marvel. So there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming out of this one. 5.30. Now, Pat, this is a question for you. Have you played Marvel Snap yet? Tried to for a little bit. I uh, gave it a genuine shot. Not Not necessarily my cup of tea. Okay, no, that's fair. I know a lot of people that are addicted to it. Oh, I do too. Yeah, and rightfully so. Like I played it, but I had to get, I had to stop it because it was one of those things. Like with my schedule, I can't do it because yeah, this is true. This will dominate my life, and then, I know your schedule. Yeah, and then there will be no reviews <laughs> whatsoever happening. Yeah, uh, but they're going to be doing the art of Marvel Snap panel, so oh, behind the scenes. Cool. So if you really want to find out yeah, what's going on with yeah. the with the mobile game, like this is a perfect time to do it. But there's also a panel going on at the same time mm-hmm. that I tell you what. I am legit when I say this. This one, I am I am kicking myself. I'm not in San Diego for okay because it's the Marvel Multiverse role playing game live play Ooh. with Glass Cannon Network. Ooh. So reading the press release, 
A brand new group of superheroes are making a San Diego Comic-Con debut as your favorite personalities from the Glass Cannon Network bring their unique brand of unhinged role-playing madness to the multiverse. Join Game Master Troy Lavelli, along with Joe O'Brien, Skid Mar, Matthew Kapodistica, uh, Nero Ibrahim, and Ali- Alice, or Alicia Marie, and Marvel's own Nick Lowe. Apologize if I butchered anybody's name. As they create a superhero story that makes the Avengers look like a knitting club. Yeah. That is the tagline here. That's a good, that's a good line. And I'm going to tell you what, this new role-playing game, I have not played one since the original Marvel one by TSR. Right. And I'm, I've actually picked up a couple things for it. So hmm. I might dip back into it a little bit. I'm not going to lie about it. It's very intriguing to me. Interesting. So uh, stay tuned for more of that involving the ODPH. But I'm going to tell you what. I think this, this is going to be a really cool game to pick up. If you're in RPGs, this is going to be something you definitely want to keep your eyes out for. Uh, next up, though, Saturday with Marvel. Like I say, they got two big panels coming. Pat, I know when I say this one, you're going to be dropping your phone and raising your eyebrows. Yeah. Marvel next big thing. Hey. I've been to those. Why don't you give a little breakdown? What, what, is, what is entailing at those? So Marvel, the next big thing panels is much in the same way of the Lucasfilm publishing panels. They will bring in all of their big name writers and basically talk about what they've been working on, how things have been going, maybe give a little bit of tease for something that's coming out in the next couple of months. And they will also drop uh, surprises on you with like, hey, this person's leaving writing this book, mm-hmm. but they're going to be writing that one. And it's absolutely nuts. It's mind blowing. It's cool to see you get some cool. They show some cool cover art for stuff that ain't even out yet. Uh, a little previous what might be coming some little. Oh, hey, you don't know what's coming with uh, coming down the line. But hey, here's this cover. It's a little surprise. It's, yeah. it's, it's a big uh, must go to if you're a Marvel Comics fan. Yeah, so the lineup stated as of right now, C.B. Sobolski, Nick Lowe, Zeb Wells, Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, Jerry Dugan, and Sabir Pirzada. Mm-hmm. And that's the writer, one of the co-writers for Miss Marvel, The oh, New Mutant. okay. So a lot of stuff is going to be announced there. And yeah, I'll say. Like I say, that's going to be a can't-miss panel as well. And then on Sunday... Uh, July 23rd, I believe I'm mistaken. I said it was Saturday, but Sunday, 1030, Women of Marvel. Uh, according to the press release, Women of Marvel return to San Diego. Join us for a lively discussion of Marvel talent across publishing, digital media, and studio, including editor Sarah Bernstead, executive producer Sana Amanat, uh, vice president of digital marketing Jessica Malloy, Charlie Jane Anders, Jody Hauser, and more. So definitely a very cool panel to go attend. So Marvel is coming with a lot of stuff, too. Yeah, I'll say. So you definitely want to make sure you're, you're not missing out on what they have lined up as well. Uh, and then switching over to Saturday. Saturday has a lot of very big panels as well. Like, I think when we talk about, like, how, or Friday, I should say, Friday mm-hmm. has got a lot of stacked ones. Yeah, it it's does. usually Saturday. Yeah. But this one, I think we're going to see the most news coming out of. Okay. And like I said, we already mentioned what Marvel's coming with. But this is going to be one that I think I know I personally have circled on the calendar, and that is the Massive Verse panel, two thirty p.m. Hey, so this is going to be coming from the press release from Image Comics. Join Massive Verse superstars Kyle Higgins, Brian Busaletto, Melissa Flores, Ryan Parrott, and more special celebrity surprise guests as the crew unveils exciting new developments and announcements in store for the Massiverse and beyond. So a lot of news is coming out of this. When we had the Black Market Narrative team here on the show, 
Everybody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. I expect a lot of stuff radiating out of this, no pun intended. Yeah. But I, I truly feel this is going to be a monster panel that seriously you can't miss. I know last year a lot of news came out of it. So if you are into the Massiverse, this is a must-attend panel. Also, on Friday, 1.30 p.m., Boom Studios, Slaughterverse, the world of something is killing the children. So this one is going to have a lot of information coming out about the expanding Slaughterverse. Something is Killing the Children is one of the best books on the market each and every time. And if you have not picked that up, you need to go get on board ASAP. Uh, James Tynan, Werther Delerta, uh, Tate Brombell, and Eric Harburn are going to be in attendance. And they're going to be talking with Dr. Emily Zarka uh, about discussing monsters and the people who hunt them down, like uh, quoting the press release. Like, this is going to be a very cool panel. Like I say, if you haven't jumped into Something's Killing the Children, I know, Pat, you don't do horror, so this will not nope. be for you. Nope. But it is going to be one that you definitely don't want to miss. I'm telling you right now, if you are into how great those book series are, they're doing a lot of cool stuff. Speaking of very cool stuff, it is crazy to say this, but we are 20 years into Invincible. Wow. Coming from the press release of Skybound Entertainment, quote, the best superhero comic in the universe celebrates its 20th anniversary since it first debuted at Image Comics with a look back at the franchise and look forward to what's coming in the world of comics, animation, video games, tabletop games, and more. Mm-hmm. So Ryan Kirkman, Corey Walker, uh, Ryan Otley are all going to be in attendance. Uh, listen, if you have not picked up Invincible or checked out the cartoon on uh, your animated series, I need to remember, animated series, on uh, Prime, like, do yourself a favor. It's really something special. And like I say, it, it hasn't really sunk in. It's 20 years. Mm-hmm. But it's been the almost a, a staple of like how to do comics in the superhero era right now. So a very, very cool thing going on with them. Also, Skybound has got a loaded weekend too. Thursday, July 20th, WrestleQuest, the wrestlefication of an RPG pad. Hmm. So 415... Join Megacat Studios team members alongside surprise legendary wrestlers as they break down the beginning traditional or bringing traditional JRPG mechanics to the wrestling ring. Hmm. Peek behind the scenes, uh, case studies, lessons learned, and feedback from fans, uh, professional wrestlers, and RPG super fans. Panelists include wrestling legends Jake the Snake Roberts, Hey-o. Sergeant Slaughter, okay. and Jeff Jarrett. Nice. J E double F. Ha ha. J A double R. E double T. Along with James Deegan and Zach Manko from Megacat Studios, uh, according to the press release from Skybound. This looks like an amazing panel. If any of our listeners are in attendance for this panel and there is a Q&A session, I ask that one of you get called Slap Nuts by Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. You do that, we'll, 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 and you can get us a, a videotape of that. Uh, we'll send you some OD page swag. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely hook something up for that. Uh, but that's a fun panel, man. Yeah. That's going to be something really cool to see. And then probably the one I think I'm even with all the stuff going on with Skybound, the one that I'm most excited about, and I tell you what, we got so much buzz behind this. Saturday, July 22nd, Transformers and G.I. Joe return in the Energon universe. Oh, yeah. So 415, according to the press release, the Transformers and G.I. Joe are back at Skybound, kicking off the Energon universe. Superstars Robert Kirkman, Daniel Warren Johnson, Joshua Williamson, and Sean Mekowitz. Uh, reveal the secrets behind Image and Skybound's most anticipated comics of 2023. Legitimately, Void Rivals has been the surprise hit of the year thus far, and it opened the door for something 
much bigger coming. And I'm telling you what, Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers is going to be the wildest book you're going to pick up this year. I am so freaking excited to pick this up. I I, I, I kid you not. Like This is going to be one of the highlights when we talk about it later this year. It, it's going to be right there on the playlist. So a lot of cool stuff going on there. And like we said, Friday, DC is really loaded up with panels, too. They're doing a Dawn of DC panel at 1230. Cool. So it's talking about everything that they have going on right now. Uh, Rom V, Joshua Williamson, Nicola Scott, Tom King, Joanna Starr, uh, and Josh Trullo, and Tom Taylor all in attendance talking. Like, literally, the new breath of fresh air that is going on with DC. Yeah. And I love the comics. Love what they're doing out there. Right after that is the Dawn of, Dare, uh, Dawn of DC Night Terrors one. So this is breaking down everything going on with that crossover event. Joshua Williamson, Jeremy Adams, and Dennis Culver all are going to be in attendance as well. And then Jim Lee and Friends, Uh-oh. 6 p.m. What need I say more? Jim Lee talking comics. No. Yeah, that's all, that's all you need. And then Saturday, 1230, this is one pad. If he was there, I know he would be front row. The World of Metropolis. Quoting the press release from D.C., Superman isn't the only force to be reckoned with in Metropolis. The top comic writers and artists are working on stories for the city of tomorrow, including Joshua Williamson, Sanaa Grace, and Philip Kennedy Johnson. Yeah, I'd be there. Yeah, a few more. And there plus, like I said, you're going to get a lot of details. I was at the one in New York Comic Con last year. Tell you what, they did not miss hitting the marks on all of that panel. That was a great panel to be in attendance for. So if you haven't checked that out, you definitely need to. Oh, man. And, and like I say, just the rest of the weekend is pretty loaded up. Like if, if you're in an image, you're in the you know, IDW, they got some great panels going on. Distillery is lined up too. Uh, even like there's one on Sunday mm-hmm. that caught my attention. Yeah. And I was like, I did not even know like this was going to be a panel together until I read it. Okay. And I sat there and I'm going like, this is a great lineup of, of writers. And this is a lot of stuff that I have fortunately been able to cover sure. on the blog. Sure. And it's a deep dive into horror comics. Oh, I'm out. I know you're out. Like I say, yep. Pat has made this very well clear. If anybody's new to the show, he does not do horror comics. I don't do horror anything. Right. And that's and that's fair. And like I say, I don't judge you. I, like, it is what it is. Yep. So it is something not up your alley. But when I saw the lineup for this panel, I was like, oh, my God. This is absolutely insane. Just hearing these people talk shop. Because they're some of the best in the business. And when you talk about horror books and you really want to get people, you know, fully invested, these are the ones you go to. Scott Snyder, Rodney Barnes, Leah Kilpatrick, Ben Steinbeck, and David Dalshaman, who we know from the Suicide Squad. Okay. Uh, he's going to be there. Like I say, they have got this lined up, and they're all talking about creating horror comics, uh, reading the press release coming from uh, Comic-Con.org. So, like I say, this is going to be one that if, if you want to get into horror comics, like this is a great lineup to really just mm-hmm. deep dive into. Like I say, I, if you're a longtime listener to ODPH, you know my love affair about Scott Snyder's horror books. I will scream that to the high heavens. So that was one that, like when I read it, it was like, okay, this is going to be one that's catching my eye completely. Mm-hmm. And especially, too, like I say, they got such a big weekend. Comixology to, does, too, throughout the entire weekend. They have a loaded up one. Uh, like I say, Boom is loaded, too. Image is definitely crushing it this weekend, too. Like, everywhere you go, just kind of tie up, there's literally something for everybody. And I know that we don't have the big Hall H moments this year. Right. And that's fine. You should go for the comics and deep dive into a lot of cool stuff that's going on. Because there literally is something for everybody diving into former universes. There's ones that there's one that's about the '90s era of comics 
which I'm scared to go check out if mm, I was there, mm-hmm. but I would want to go check out because the 90s is a weird time. This is very true. I think I would have to get on Patreon for that episode. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, that's kind of my feelings about it. But there's, like, so much great stuff to go check out in general, too. Like I say, Doctor Who fans have got a lot. Star Wars fans have got a lot to go check out. All the indies. Vault Comics has got a great lineup. Uh, Top Cow has got a big thing going on Saturday, too, as well. Like I say, overall, it's not the big luster of, you know, the Hall H mic drop moments Mm -hmm. because of reasons. But getting to the basics of comics, Mm -hmm. this is a loaded, loaded day. Like I say, Friday, I think, is the most loaded day for me. Saturday's got some huge events, too. Sunday is always kind of a little quieter today, but there's there's still great panels on Sunday. And then... You just take a look at overall, like the news coming out. Like, Pat, is there any, like, one panel that you heard there? And you're like, okay, that's my go to. Star Wars. Love the books. Love what they're doing lately. Cannot wait to hear what they, gets announced at that panel. I mean, yeah, that's got to be up there for me, too. Uh, like I say, Massive Verse is a huge one for me, but I'm honestly saying Distillery, I think, is going to be the one to, to catch everybody. It's generating a lot of buzz. And unless you're, like, really into the comic scene, you don't realize the impact it's going to make. But I'm telling you what, they're going to be bringing a lot to their panels too and especially make sure to go check out all the booths there there's a lot of cool stuff that you can buy a lot of stuff there you know they might be doing giveaways for everybody in general too like i say just take the time to go walk around the con go get go meet some creators thank them go buy some stuff this is all about you know supporting the great medium that we do because from comics that's where you get all those fantastic shows and movies you get to watch from a lot of it just trickles back to that so that said it is up on that hashtag. Let us know what you are thinking for San Diego Comic Con. Are you excited for this year? What is the most panel that you're the most? What is the panel that you're most excited about? See, I get amped up talking about it. But what's the biggest panel on your you know radar? What do you want to hear the most about? Is it Distillery? Is it Marvel? DC? Image? Boom! Comicsology. Who's there that you are like? That's my go-to. I want to talk about that because we're here for it. Skybound too as well. A lot of cool stuff. But until then, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad. What you got? Got a couple things to talk about sports-wise. Uh, I'm going to start off with the local minute and looking at the Binghamton Rumble Pony schedule from this past week. Uh, they had a short three-game series at home against the Somerset Patriots, that, of course, being the double-A affiliate of the New York Yankees uh, because they were coming out of the All-Star break. They had a game on Friday, July 14th, where they lost by the final score of 4-2, to uh, one on Saturday by the final score of 3-1, to and then lost on Sunday by the final score of 9-4. to uh, Looking ahead to the schedule they have this, this week, they're at home playing Erie. Uh, They've got a game on Tuesday, July 18th at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, They've got a game on Wednesday, July 19th that is at 1.05 p.m. Eastern. Uh, And that one is, we've got this special promotion going on, uh, Super Splash Day. A fan favorite, especially with our young fans, Super Splash Day is a blast. Come to Marabito Stadium and watch it transform into a water wonderland. Grab your swimsuits and get ready to cool down on Super Splash Day, complete with hoses, water balloons, and more. It's a Super Splash It's super splash Fun Day. Tickets are available in wet and dry sections. Uh, so that is presented by the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. Uh, and of course, if you've ever been to a water park, 
you're familiar with wet and wet and dry sections are. Yeah. You buy tickets in a wet zone. Don't get pissed off if you get wet. You know what you were getting into. Facts. Uh, they've got another game on uh, what is it Thursday, July twentieth. Uh, that one is going to be one of the special ones. That is the Condores de Binghamton Night, uh, and that is the Binghamton Rumble Ponies are proud to participate or participate as the Condores de Binghamton as part of Minor League Baseball's Copa de la División uh, event series. Condores de Binghamton will take the field on three occasions, uh, the first of which was on Friday, May 12th. The second is on Thursday, July 20th, and then Friday, September 15th. Players will be wearing specialty jerseys and on-field hats for each game. The Rumble Ponies are proud to be one of the, one of 95 on-field Hispanic identities across minor league baseball as part of minor league baseball's national season-long campaign. Through the success of the COPA program, now in its sixth season, minor league baseball has solidified its commitment to the long-term growth of its U.S. Latino uh, communities and its diversity and inclusion efforts across the country, playing an important role in the folklore of South America. The condor is a symbol of wisdom, uh, power, and health. Watching them soar as they patrol the Andes Mountains with their long wingspan inspires awe. Los Condores de Binghamton, like their namesake, are majestic, graceful, and athletic, calling the hills of Binghamton and its surroundings home. Wearing red, yellow, and bright blue uniforms, Los Condores honor the flags of Venezuela, Colombia, and Ecuador. Uh, so that'll definitely be cool. I've seen the uniforms. They're actually pretty cool, I gotta, I gotta admit. So that'll be definitely be something to check out. They've got a game on Friday, July 21st. Uh, that one is uh, going to be a firework night. It's also sitcom night. And it says, join us as we salute the greatest sitcoms of all time. It will be a trip down memory lane as the best shows ever to appear on your television will be featured in content throughout the game and on our reality big TV screen. Uh, so that will be definitely something to be uh, cool to check out. They've got a game on Saturday, July 22nd, which that's another 607 Saturdays, uh, which that one is uh, celebrate the amazing communities within the 607 area code. Each Saturday, a, drift, a different town will be featured and highlighted. Come show your love for the Rumble Ponies and your hometown. Uh, so this one is going also going to be a superhero night, uh, and they're giving away Rocket Raccoon bobbleheads. Hmm. So it's calling all superheroes swing, fly, or materialize your way here for your uh, galaxy uh, in a limited for in a, in time for superhero day. The first one thousand fans in attendance will receive a limited edition Rocket Raccoon bobblehead. Uh, then they've got a game on Sunday at 105 p.m. Eastern against Erie. Uh, that one is a kids eat free Sunday. So, of course, if kids uh, at the age of what is it here, uh, 12 and under, you can come to the ballpark and enjoy a delicious Nathan's, Nathan's hot dog and a 24-ounce fountain beverage, all for the low, low price of free. Uh, it is also baseball bingo where you come and play in the Southern tiers, biggest bingo game ever Buy a baseball bingo card. And when the squares get filled in, according to the action on the field prizes galore, uh, and then it's also senior stroll Sunday. So if you're senior, you're, uh, uh, you can put on your, sh your cross trainers, gather some friends and then walk on the uh, warm up track before the game starts. Uh, so then looking ahead to, and then they got a game, uh, they're off on Monday and then they're on the road the following week. Uh, so for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, go to bingrp.com. And we got to talk some pro wrestling because uh, we are in the midst of the build to SummerSlam for yes. World Wrestling Entertainment. Not too many matches announced yet, but we can kind of piece together where some are. Uh, the ones we know for sure are Cody Rhodes is going to be taking on Brock Lesnar in the third match of their series. Uh, Brock did show up last night on Monday Night Raw and confirmed to Cody after attacking him in front of his own mother, the Dirty Fiend. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, we expected this to happen. Yeah. So it was just a, a formality at this stage. I'm just yep. wondering if they're going to give it a crazy stipulation. I fully think they are. I, w- I would imagine. So, I mean, we've still got, what, like two two weeks, two and a half weeks before the build to SummerSlam, which yeah, is t- it, taking place from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, I believe first weekend in August. So Yeah, it is. It's August 5th. Coming up very, yeah. very shortly. Uh, we got that one. You've got Seth freaking Rollins taking on Finn Balor, which, hey, no surprise there. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, the, the Judgment Day playing real nice right now. Like, hey, everyone thought there's issues. We showed you last week. There's no issues here. Yeah. Uh, I think, listen, it's one of the biggest shows of the year. Not the biggest. It's you know probably number two. I expect there to be a major fracturing between the Judgment Day, between Finn and Damian Priest. We'll see what happens, though. I fully think so, too. This could be a fun match, but I think this yeah. is where Damian Priest might fumble the, yeah. the briefcase. Uh, and then another one that was announced last night on Monday Night Raw, we were going to be getting Ronda Rousey taking on Shayna Baszler. No no shock here. Uh, Baszler, I'm going to call right now, is going to win. Yeah, with all the reports that Ronda's leaving, you know, she's got a hard out date, and the, the rumors that she's going to be putting over Shayna on her way out, it's going to be a good match for the, for Shayna, put her over, and run on her way out. I think it's a good thing for all parties involved. Yeah, no, I agree. I, yeah. Uh, not announced, but hey, it's probably going to happen at this at some point here. They just got to announce it yet. Uh, we're going to be seeing Roman Reigns take on main event Jey Uso, the real tribal chief. That's uh, going to be an incredible match. It's a I, great shirt. I mean, the, the question is, do they make the title change there? I don't think so. I think I all either. signs still point to Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania next year. But wait and see, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, and then the rest of it, you know, kind of waiting to see. There's not too much built yet, but hey, we still got some time. Right. I mean, that's the one good thing. Is there's, they, there's some rumors and there's some innuendo, but nothing's real solid. You know, if you follow the rumors and you watch Monday Night Raw, you're like, all right, I might be able to see how they set that up here, but we'll see. Right. I mean, that's the one nice thing they're doing is they're giving time to build stories. Um, You know, I always hate raining on parades, but, you know, unlike AEW where, mm. you know, we have a pay-per-view coming up. And we don't have any matches announced, really. I mean, we talked about this at great lengths on 6 to 7 TWS last night, so make sure to check that out on your favorite podcast provider. But, I mean, WWE does very, very well about building and investing in getting a match to where it needs to be. Yeah, uh, it's all in. It's taking place on August 27th, 2023, from Wembley Stadium in London, England, uh, where there is, like, over 65... I don't know what the firm number is. I just know it's over Mm 65,000 tickets sold. So it's one of the biggest shows in England history for a pro wrestling event. You know, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, which, let's scroll down. When was it last edited? The page was last edited on the 14th of July, 2023, so four days ago. Uh, there's a pack, there's a section for uh, basically the top, a little intro like, uh, hey, here's what this page is about. It's a segment for or a section for production. Then you've got background and storylines under that. Then you've got references and external links. There is no card or match announced for this show. Hell, we don't even know where it's going to be broadcasting from. Yeah. Whether it's going to be television, whether it's going to be max or whether it's going to be pay-per-view. There's a lot of moving parts going on with that. So I guess it would just be follow AEW social media and you'd be able to track it down. But I mean, that's the one thing that not to go completely raining on them, but it's an area that they need to improve on. Yeah. Because obviously they sold out and that's a big win for them. I'm not taking anything away from no, them. No, absolutely not. But it's a big win and they just need to really invest this because they're going to run a pay-per-view right after it too. Yeah. With all out. Yeah. And I gave my thoughts about that on 607 TWS. And the one I was really driving is they have a pay-per-view for Ring of Honor this week mm-hmm. that has slowly been put together, and there's been stuff that's leaked online. Yeah. But is it going to be enough to get a fan base fired up to spend 40 bucks? Yeah. That's the question you have at hand, and that's something yep. that 
you know, I'd love to talk to the ODPH Society about it. Or, you know, AEW, they know how to get a hold of us. This we, is true. We can talk. They got the email. They got the email. We remind them every week you have our email. So if you even want more pro wrestling content, though, 607TWS on your favorite podcast provider. But before we get out of here, you know how we end the show. We got to talk comic picks for the week. Pad has said pretty much it's all San Diego. Mm-hmm. So that's where you need to go focus on. So I'm leading off mine. A lot of stuff on Comixology this week. Uh, like I said, the originals line I always recommend to. It's a couple you know, really interesting books. So if you're looking for a, a unique read, Money Number 1 and Simulation Theory Number 1. Mm-hmm. So that would be something to go check out from them. Also, uh, there's so much stuff coming out from Image this week. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this one was, I think they got such a, a monster week. Big Game Number 1. Okay. Now, it's Mark Millar and Pepe Larraz. I I don't know anything about this. Right. I did see a still image that I don't know if it's real or not. So I'm I can't even speculate. Okay. Any preview I saw the cover is just blank right now. But anytime Mark Millar has been dropping something lately, it's been huge. So I'm going to tell people right now, this will be something to keep on your radar big game number 1. But on my playlist, though, I got to say Battle Chasers number 11. That is going to be one that I cannot wait to dive back into and really start hyping up a lot. It, it, I, if you listen to the ODPH for a long time, you know my love affair with this series, so I can't stress that enough. Uh, Void Rivals number two. So this is the one that is they kicked off the Energon universe for Skybound Entertainment. So Robert Kirkman, Lorenzo Di Felici. Uh, are going to be on this one, and definitely uh, it has my attention. Like I say, the buzz that came out from this book obviously took over social media and then some. So real cool stuff there. Arcade Kings number three, uh, Skybound Entertainment, Image Comics. Uh, Dylan Burnett is bringing this really interesting story that's combining like a little bit of anime, a little bit of high action, a little bit of like drama. Like There's a lot that is going on with the story, but I think it's just such a cool read. And I've really enjoyed the series thus far. Noctera Nemesis special. So this is Scott Snyder and Tony Daniels' book, but Tony Daniels is not on the art for this. Oh, okay. They brought in Liam Sharp. And trust me, when he brings the terror to this series, this is going to be one, like I say, I was super excited to hear about this. If you got to swap out, you know, artists, Sharp is going to be bringing it. And like I say, if you haven't read his stuff, Exo Man of War Unconquered, uh, need I say more? On the DC side of things, the review is out right now because we are officially DC Comics Press, and I'm super excited to be working with them. Batman, Superman, World's Finest 17, Pad. Oh, okay. Mark Wade, Dan Mora. Nuff said. Yeah, I would say so. Loved this issue. Thought it was incredible. And just like the whole series, I mean, I think it's one of the best superhero comics on the market, period. Mark Wade just knows how to write the World's Finest pair, and Dan Mora is arguably the best artist in the game. Just put it out there, folks. He does amazing work. So if you haven't checked this stuff out, definitely make sure to. X-Men Red number 13, that is one that, you know, like I say, the X-Men line is going to be heating up, especially coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. So it's a good time to get on board now and see what's happening there. And then last but certainly not least on my list, Something is Killing the Children number 31, The Return from Hiatus, uh, what else can I say? James Tynan, Werther Delorta. Erica Slaughter is back in a big way, and I cannot wait to see where this story is going because obviously how things were left hanging last time we saw her. 
This is a series that is definitely picking up some steam. So if you haven't checked it out, you need to go check it out. Like I say, a lot of really cool stuff happening there. And honestly, hit us up on that hashtag and let us know what you're picking up at the comic shops going into San Diego Comic-Con weekend because there's going to be a lot of reviews coming out this week too, especially Power Rangers Hyperforce and Radiant Black number 25, the monster issue for the Massiverse. That's coming out on Nerd Initiative, but uh, I actually have a, a bullpen that's writing some uh, reviews this week, Pad. So we got some new hey. voices going to be covering some comics on there. So if you want to find out the best that's going on in comics, obviously – NerdInitiative.com, ODPHpodcast.com. We got your hookup. Definitely holler when you when you read it. And as we always say, go out and support your local comic shops wherever you are at in the world. They're putting in a lot of work to get you those books, so definitely pay it back in tenfold. That being said, Pad, for anything and everything, it is the ODPH. You can find it at ODPHpodcast.com. That's it for this week. So for the one and only Padawan, Jay. Buck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken. I'm Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Gotta be down to the punch. Gotta be down to the punch. Cause they can't bring me.